January has come to an end and uh, we started this year on a, on a wonderful, wonderful note as we began fixing our eyes on Jesus who is the supreme, who is everything that we need. Uh, we fixed our eyes on him. We said that we need to see him. If we don't see him, we'll not be able to live the kind of lives that God would want us to live. If we're unable to hear his voice, then we'll not be able to do the thing that he calls us to do. And he's calling us right now to be doing something for him, even in this year 2020. And if we are unable to speak with the word of God and speak like God, call the dry bones into life, then our year 2020 may be a challenge. And God has said that this is so because I have a big plan for you as a church. Uh, he has a plan for us. This number of, of disciples that we talk about is not a joke. We are seeking 30,000 disciples by the year 2025. We know that our God is able to do it, and he's going to use us to do it. We're going to go out and we're going to do things. As we were praying in, 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 in our 21 days of fasting and prayer, the Lord laid out upon my heart and said, those ones who are living outside of the heartland, come, move in. Move in. Come and look for accommodation in the heartland. You need to be in the heartland. You need to be here so that we, we can partake and we can take over. We can occupy until he comes. If you're not in the heartland, if you're living wherever it is that you're living, begin to think and ask God, Lord, I want to be there. The children of Israel could not take over the, 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 the promised land until they actually moved there. You and I need to move here that this vision may come to pass. That's a challenge, isn't it? I know that you're looking and you're thinking, who are the rents of Kileleshwa? Hey, how will I manage? The Lord shall do it. There is a season, and I believe that the season is open now, that favor is in, is in, your, is in your court. You will talk to landlords, they will reduce rents for you. There are people who are going to live here for free without paying a landlord and you don't own the house dependent on your faith what is your faith god is calling you step out touch your neighbor and say step out this is the year of faith this is the year of perfecting faith and we are going to see it in jesus name amen we we have we are now coming into the book of dealing with the book of hebrews and uh, we're going to be studying the book of hebrews for a number of weeks as we, as we navigate through this book, I know that it's a wonderful book. It's, it, it's a very, very rich book. And uh, for the next couple of months, uh, probably two or so months, we're going to be in the book of, of Hebrews. We're going to be hearing from a diversity of people as they come and share with us uh, what the Lord is speaking to them as, as, as they look through the book of Hebrews. Today, we're going to be starting uh, with two chapters, chapter 1 and chapter 2 of Hebrews. Uh, but before we go there, I just want to give you a little highlight of this that is called the book of Hebrews. And it's an exciting book for me because uh, this book was written uh, to the Hebrews, uh, the Christian Jews. They were Christian Jews. And the writer is not very clearly known, whoever wrote the book of Hebrews. Many have speculated, and there are people who have speculated it was Paul, although many say that it's not his style. Others have said it was uh, Apollos. Why? Because Apollos was known to be a man who was mighty in the Old Testament. The book of Hebrews is actually a lot. It's a New Testament book, but it is full of Old Testament stuff. 
And therefore, somebody thought, maybe Apollos. Other, somebody thought it was Priscilla. And Priscilla was a woman uh, who was married to Aquila. And therefore, because of the nature of the culture at that time, uh, if you, if you as, a, as a woman was writing, it would not be acceptable. And so people imagine maybe it was Priscilla who wrote it, and therefore you don't see uh, the normal uh, writer. You can't tell who it, who it was. Well, it doesn't matter necessarily who wrote it, but we know that it was written unto the Jewish Christians. We know that it was written in, 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 in Koine Greek. We know it is Koine Greek. It is common Greek. It is uh, a letter not classical Greek for people to begin uh, to debate in huge uh, and, and in big uh, academic circles. You know, when you talk about the academia, uh, sometimes we like the academia. We want to sound uh, 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 very educated. And some of us indeed are very educated. Buenas, if you're a son. And we need to sound very educated. But the Lord writes in common language, streets language. I mean, if it was written today, it perhaps would be written in Sheng. Hey. Maze, nimekuwa. Some of you may be, may, be, may be even put off, how can that be the word of God? But indeed, here it is, written in common man's language. It wasn't that that is classical. And it was written during the reign of a certain emperor called Nero. And Nero was perhaps the worst dictator, the worst uh, persecutor of Christians anywhere in the world. If there's anyone who would say, some people believe that he was the Antichrist. And they say that Nero may arise, he may come back, because the way that he persecuted the Christians then, uh, he is the Antichrist and he will come back again. My friends, uh, Nero is such. He was... Uh, he was, he was terrible. This was written in the time of Nero. However, it was written before major persecution had begun. When you look at Hebrews chapter 12 and verse number 4, the, the writer says, you have resisted, but you haven't resisted to the point of shedding blood. It means that persecution had not yet begun to the degree that people were dying. But persecution had begun. Why had persecution begun? Persecution had begun to the Jewish Christians in particular because these people had refused to worship. They had refused to bow down. They were, they were refusing to acknowledge some of these people who are the emperors. They would not worship them. And they would be saying, our king is coming. There is a kingdom who has a king and he is coming. And the, you see, the, 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 the Roman Empire was a bit uh, scared or feared. Because these Christians were becoming more and more. They were increasing in influence. And therefore, they were becoming something that the Roman Empire began to fear. And therefore, persecution came. Numbers increase. Power increases. Persecution comes. Especially from the ruling governor at that time. And we see that the letter was then written as an encouragement to the Jews. These ones that are Christian Jews, because persecution had begun, they were not yet shedding blood, but their property was being taken. They were being denied some certain rights. So the letter is written to try to convince the people, listen, don't go back. Don't drift away. Don't go back to Judaism. Because Judaism was the one that, was, that they had come from. 
And the Jews in particular had, were all Jews. They, they were all from, 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 from Judaistic uh, 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 past. And so they were being told, don't go back to Judaism. Remain because Jesus is better. Don't go back to the law because Jesus is better than the law. Don't go back to the prophets because Jesus is greater than the prophets. Don't go back to the things of the shadows, the types of the Old Testament. Don't go back there. Why? Because Jesus is better. And it's interesting that as you go through the book, you begin to realize that the writer is bringing forth a certain fact that this Jesus, he is the, he is the epitome. He is the, he is the thing that which the law came to. He is the one that encompasses everything that the Old Testament was speaking about. And therefore, he is better. So don't leave him for something else. In fact, in Hebrews chapter number 6, it goes on to say that if you have come in and you have tasted of the Lord and you go back, it will be impossible for you to come back. Those are difficult positions and difficult things to read, but they, it's there in the Hebrews that as we continue on, you are going to be seeing that this writer is talking and bringing us to the point and he's saying, listen, Jesus is better. In chapter 1 and, verse, and chapter 2, he is basically saying that Jesus is better than angels and we're going to be that's what we're going to be talking about you see this book of hebrews in this book of hebrews you will not find jesus the son talking it is not jesus who talks instead it is the father who speaks concerning his son it's one of the books in the bible where you hear the voice of the father speaking about the son He's speaking about the son. And you, as we go through, you will get to see it. You will understand that the father has a desire. And as, you, as, as, as we go through it, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm excited about it. That, uh, that, that we shall be hearing the voice of the father himself. So let us go to Hebrews chapter number one. And we're going to go uh, verse by verse as the Lord would enable us uh, in the time that we have. And, and I believe that uh, at the end of the day, you shall hear the voice of the Lord. We're going to be reading... Uh, from the NASB. And here it says, God. In fact, uh, sometimes that is good enough. Have you ever started a letter uh, without uh, dear brethren? I mean, it is not uh, hi, how are you? It is not greetings. It is emphatically God. <laughs> you know, when you read such a letter, you know, ah, uh -uh, this one, we are, not, we are not talking about any, it is God. After he spoke long ago to the fathers in the, in the prophets, in many portions and in many ways, this letter unequivocally and with great confidence, it is speaking that this God is self-evident, that this God exists and that this God speaks. When he says God, you, you know, it, it, there's no doubt that he's writing to people who have believed that there is a God. He's writing to people who understand and believe that he exists and people who understand that he speaks. And he's saying, listen, God spoke to the fathers. He spoke to the fathers through prophets. And I want to understand, I want us to understand this, that the fathers are very important to God. Fathers are very important to God. God has always spoken through fathers. He's always spoken to the fathers so that the fathers would be able to then speak to the rest. 
When you look at Adam in the Garden of Eden, God spoke to Adam. He didn't speak, and Adam was then meant to speak to Eve and tell Eve what God had said. The father was Adam, and he was meant to speak then to the rest. God is very interested in fatherhood. Any men who are here, who can hear me, God is interested in speaking to you, that you may then carry that word to the family. That does not exclude women. Because in the absence of men, God will speak to men, to women. Where the, where the men are, are, are in the pub, where the men are absentee, where the fathers are doing their own thing, God will still speak. And the Bible tells us and shows us that God still ministers through women as well. But this is evident that God spoke to the fathers through the prophets in many ways. Basically, at different times. Uh, in many portions, at many different times. When you look at, 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 the, at the scripture, the earliest prophet, I think, is, is Obadiah. Obadiah was probably in uh, 840 B.C., before Christ. Uh, and Obadiah was prophesying. Uh, you go to find Joel. You go on and, and, and all the prophets, uh, uh, Jeremiah, Daniel. And you go until Malachi. Malachi was the last uh, uh, prophet before the New Testament came. And all of these prophets at various different times, God has been speaking to the fathers through the prophets. Number two, he has been speaking in many ways. He has spoken in songs. When you look at, uh, at, 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 at the Psalms, the Psalms were songs and were, there were prophetic songs that were being sung at some time. When you hear of the ascension songs, you hear of, of different things. God has been speaking to us through songs. He's been speaking through Psalms. He's been speaking through Proverbs. He's spoken to, to us and, and, to, and to many through dreams and visions. He's spoken through the audible voice that we have heard. God has spoken to people. When he spoke to Moses, uh, it was a still, small voice that he heard. He thought that he would hear a big voice, but he had a still small voice. To the same Moses, he appeared as a burning bush. And you could see God. God has been speaking, the Bible says, to the fathers, through the prophets, in many portions and in many ways. He's been speaking. Verse number two goes on to say, but in these last days, in these last days, he has spoken to us in his son, who he appointed heir of all things, through whom... Also, he made the world. In these last days, and when I talk about last days, we are in the last days. You and I are living in the last days. Are we not living in the last days? When you look around us, uh, you look at things happening about and around about us, we know that we are in the last days. When there is corruption that is unfettered, I've never, I mean, corruption unfettered, everything that is around and about us in Kenya now, you must give something for you to get service. You must. You want to live right. You can't live right because, uh, you know, there's a struggle. You, have to, you, you will have to postpone things. My, my wife and I, uh, uh, you know, we, we, we delivered, and, and it was the two of us, delivered our last born. One as a few. Eight years ago. Eight years ago. And we delivered him, and it was, you know, the, you're given a slip, and you, you go and you apply for a birth certificate. And this birth certificate thing, I, it has taken time. We keep on going. Go. You go there and they tell you, by the way, that record is not being seen anywhere. Say so it is not being seen. How? It was not a, a, a birth that was in, in, you know, in a, a home birth. It was a birth in the hospital. No less than Aga Khan Hospital. How can you say Aga Khan has not given you the thing? No, they gave you the thing. It was you people who are... Somebody wanted something. 
we would pang a line. One time my wife pang a line. You know, you arrive there at 6.30 in the morning and you pang a line and you're waiting. And this line is not moving. It's moving like it is not going anywhere. And as you're, as you're pang in line, somebody comes and you see them. They have arrived and they're in and they're out. When they're coming out, they're looking at you. Because they are willing to bribe. Because they're willing to bribe. Now, you know, you stand there and you think now, should I, should I not? Anyone here has, has felt like that? <laughs> should I, should I not? I mean, I just give this guy. And the watchmen are there. They are, they are very happy. The security people. We thank God for Matiangi. Whatever Matiangi has done, we bless the Lord for, the, for, for, for whatever is happening. Eh? And you know, he would whistle and, and look at you and think, unfettered corruption. These are the last days. We look at the things, we, we hear of the locusts that have come in. The locusts. Do you see the direction that they have come from? They have come from the northeast. This area, if you hear of what Al-Shabaab is doing in this, that neighborhood, you are hearing that no Christian should be found there. If you are a Christian who is a teacher, they will kill you. You run. You leave. Every, every, so they have been killing Christians everywhere. They have been saying, no, no, no. As people, as the Christians are moving away, what is happening? The defense that the Christians bring into the community is moving away. Locusts are a judgment from the Lord. They're a judgment from the Lord. That we have to stand and speak and, and say, Father, we repent on behalf of the Northeastern people. These ones who have killed people, these ones who have killed believers, these ones who are killing, sending people away, we are repenting. These are the last days. But even as we repent, God is going to send, uh, we prayed, uh, Pastor Peter led us, we prayed that God may send his wind that may kick out these locusts. The wind of God will kick him out. No scientist will be able to help us. It is the wind of God. It is God himself. The other day I read that the Church of England uh, came up and were confessing. They came up with a law. They said this. Uh, they, they came up with a, with, a, with a statement. They are saying this is our stand in area of marriage and sex within marriage. That sex is only allowed within marriage and within a marriage of a man and a woman. And then there were some progressives who are there. I wonder, are you people progressive? There are some progressives who are there in the Church of England who have stood up and said, no, no, no. This is very retrogressive. How can you take us back to the era of heterosexual marriage? Yet we have civil unions where man marries man, woman marries woman, and then therefore they should have sex. And this church should recognize that there are some progressives. Some two bishops came out to apologize. We are sorry. Hey, we should never be sorry. These are the last days. They, what do they want to do? No, we, our stand is on the scripture. We will not apologize for what the scripture says. We will stand on it. Let, let them kill us. Let them do whatever they want to do. These are the last days we are standing on the scripture that the Lord has given to us. There's an increase of false prophets. You'll find these things in, 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 in Matthew chapter 24. An increase of false prophets. How many know that we have many false prophets in this city? There are many. Not only in Nairobi, <laughs> in the world over. There are people who are running to false prophets. When a false prophet, somebody comes up and looks at you and says, Hey, where, where? Your telephone number, 0733. Ah, ah, ah. 
you melt, my friend. You melt, say, Jesus is speaking to me. My friend, no. There are false prophets here. False prophets. And people are running to those false prophets. One of my friends, who's a pastor, went to... to, to you know, sometimes you go through troubles. One as if you <laughs> Even pastors, sometimes we, we, we have doubts. And we, they went to this particular false prophet. And the false prophet, uh, uh, as they were in the church there, uh, they were called up and they went to the front. When they went to the front, they were standing with hands raised, expecting that God would do something. What they had, what they felt, was a big slap. <laughs> Before she... They had taken their handbag and they left. You know, sometimes the Lord, may the Lord slap any of you, if you are going out there. <laughs> may you receive that slap. You know, it is actually scriptural. Peter was sleeping in the prison. Acts, I, I think chapter 12 and, and verse something, 7. And uh, an angel came and appeared to him. He was sleeping. And the angel stood beside him and he was not hearing. So the angel struck him. And sometimes we need to be slapped to come out of places that we are not meant to come out. We are not meant to be in. Just look at your neighbor and say, hey, watch out for these false prophets. <laughs> there are wars and there are rumors of wars. There are famines and there are earthquakes in this last in these last moments. But listen, in these last days, God has spoken to us in his son. And listen to this. It is in his son. It is beyond through his son. It is in his son. And this statement interests me because God has spoken to us in his son. It means that it captures everything involving the son. It, it captures pre-incarnation before he became before he became he, he, he came to the world pre-incarnation it captures incarnation when he was Jesus was on on the earth living on the earth and it captures post-incarnation meaning that he is now in heaven seated this entire thing when the prophets were speaking about about the coming Messiah. When the Bible was specifying that there will come one who, who shall, uh, whose, whose foot shall tread on the, on, 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 on the serpent. There's one who's coming. Who shall overcome? There's one who's coming. All of this, pre-incarnation. Incarnation, Jesus speaks. He lives. He speaks. Post-incarnation, post -incarnation, now he is in heaven. He is still speaking in heaven. And, and he's praying. He's interceding for us in heaven. This entire thing is that God has spoken to us in his son. He has spoken. It is in the past tense. He has spoken. All of these have happened. He has spoken to us in these last days. Therefore, we need to understand who is this that is the son. This is what we need to understand. Who is this? Verse number three, actually we start from verse number three. It says, and he is the radiance of his glory and the exact representation of his nature, and upholds all things by the word of his power. When he has made purification of sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. This is our son. This is called the son. There are seven things that I want to highlight about this son, and it starts from verse number two. Verse number two says, whom he has appointed heir of all things, 
and through whom he has also made the world. So seven things. Number one, he is the creator. Who is this son? He is the creator of the world. He created the world. Who is this son? He is the appointed heir of all things. Not only did he create the world, but he is the heir of all things. Apart from just being the heir of all things, you and I are co-heirs, according to Romans 8 verse 17. We are co-heirs of God. Oh, that one, it, it, it just does me. That I can be an heir of God. One day I will, I will inherit, uh, maybe. Uh, I, let me not imagine that, uh, you know, bad boys normally will not inherit from their parents. But I've been a good guy. One day I may inherit from my parents, whatever it may be that they may leave. But that is nothing in comparison to God. An heir of God. Even if I never got anything in this, in this life, even if no parent left me anything in this life, I am an heir of God. A co-heir with Jesus Christ. He is appointed heir of all things. The, the next thing, he is the radiance of the Father's glory. He is the radiance of the Father's glory. My Bible tells me that no man has seen the Father. No man at any time has ever seen the Father. No man has ever seen the Father. No one. But listen, when you hear of the radiance of his glory, it is like Jesus is the beam of the Father's glory. Like the sun, nobody here has ever seen the sun. You can oppose me on that one. Nobody here has ever seen the sun. S-U-N. Not S-O-N. S-U-N. You can't see the sun. What you see are the rays of the sun. You can't actually see the sun because it is covered by the glory, by the rays that come. No one has seen. Just recently I saw in the press that they, they have a telescope that has brought in, it has brought in, but it cannot, you cannot see the sun. You only see the rays, the, the radiance. This is the same as Jesus. You can't see, you can't see the Father. But you can see him. He is the radiance of glory. The next says that he is the exact representation of the father's nature. He is the exact representation. It means that this. If you have seen the son, then you have seen the father. This is what it says in, in John chapter 14 and verse number 9. Uh, Philip, Philip was asking him. Philip came to Jesus and says, Jesus, uh, show us the father. Show us the Father. And, and Jesus was with him and asked him, All right, Philip, I have been here with you for so long. How, don't you know? Don't you understand? And he said, listen, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. Because I am exactly the same as the Father. I look like him. I sound like him. I operate like him. Everything I do is like him. If you see me, you have seen the Father. Oh. For me, that's a revelation. I desire that I may be like Christ. Therefore, become like the Father. Napenda kufana na na we Yesu we Napenda kufana na na we Unitumie upenda vyo Napenda kufana na na we He is the exact representation of God. If you have seen this son, then you have seen the father. 
the father cannot be seen <laughs> because he dwells in unapproachable light. Have you ever read that in, 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 in Timothy? In unapproachable light, the father. This father that we talk about, he is so great and so awesome and so mighty. We cannot compare, we can't. And this is why the scripture is saying, this is our way to the father is through the son. Is through the son. When somebody talks about another father, another one, no wonder Allah cannot be God. He can't be God. Because our God, this father, is too great for comprehension. No eye has seen him. No ear has even heard of how he's great. No heart can conceive <laughs> those things that he has prepared. Leave alone him what he has prepared. He upholds all things by the word of his power. This Jesus, this son, upholds all things by the word of his power. Normally, I used to, I normally want to correct myself because I say, ah, I, he upholds all things by the power of his word. It is not the power of his word. It is the word of his power. It means that there is something about the word of God. He upholds all things by the word of his power. No wonder we need to hear his word. No wonder you and I have to hear and understand his word. We have to know his word because within his word is power. Therefore, you need to pray. How do you pray? You need to pray the word. When you pray the word, you're praying power. I don't know if you hear me. It's not about the power of his word. It is the word of his power. The word comes first. The word comes first. He made purification for sins. His death on the cross and his resurrection. And then lastly, the seventh thing. Who is his son? He is seated at the right hand of majesty. He has finished his work. You only sit when you have finished your work. You only sit when you have finished your work. Some government officials need to hear that. You only sit when you have finished your work. You don't sit before you are finished. <laughs> you finish, then you sit. Jesus has finished his work. My Bible tells me in 2 Peter 1 and verse number 3 that his divine power has given us everything that we need for life and for godliness. It is only we will get it all through the knowledge of Christ Jesus. It is through that knowledge. He has given us everything. So there is nothing more that he is going to give us from heaven. It is for you now to get to know him. And then you can change the earth. And you can change the things around about. Who is this son? He is those seven things. We read verse 4 to verse 14. Having become as much better than the angels, as he has inherited a more excellent name than they, for to which of the angels did he ever say, you are my son today, I, or today I have begotten you? And again, I will be a father to him, and he shall be a son to me. And when he again brings the firstborn into the world, he says, and let all the angels of God worship him, and, the, and, to the, and of the angels, he says, who makes his angels winds and his ministers a flame of fire? But of the sun, he says, your throne, O God, is forever and ever. And the righteous scepter is the scepter of his kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated lawlessness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness above your companions. And you, Lord, in the beginning laid the foundation of the earth. And the heavens are the works of your hands. They will perish, but you remain. And they all will become old like a garment. 
And like a mantle, you will roll them up like a garment. They also will be changed. But you are the same, and your years will not come to an end. But to which of the angels has he ever said, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for you, for your feet? Are they not all ministering spirits sent out to render service for the sake of those who will inherit salvation? This particular portion is basically a comparison between Jesus and angels. We know that angels are powerful. We know that they do great things. We know that they have been used by God to do and to bring messages. We know that they have been used by God to fight battles. We know that angels have been used by God in mighty ways. And therefore, sometimes people begin to worship angels. At that time, uh, when this letter was written, there were sects of people who were worshiping angels. Because an angel, when an angel appears, my friend, you will know that there is something. The scriptures tell us, whenever angels appeared, people would fall flat on their faces. Joshua, an angel appeared before Joshua and he realized that, hey, this is an angel. He fell on his face. He thought he was like dead. Angels, when an angel appears, my friend, there is something that is divine. Number one, they are holy and pure. Holy, righteous. When they appear, my friend, oh, you who has sin in you, you who has flesh, you, 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 you will cry, you will cringe, you will feel as though you are about to die, as though you are melting because an angel is present. And therefore, that's why people worship them. But listen, let's look at this comparison. Jesus, in comparison to angels, Jesus is begotten of God. To be begotten means to be equal in substance and nature with God. To be equal in substance. We saw it earlier when we said that he is the exact representation. Is to be equal. Angels were created by God. They are lower than God. Eh? Jesus was enthroned in verse number 8. He's enthroned forever. He is royalty. He is exalted. He is, he, is, he, is, he is the crown jewel, literally, to speak. Angels are ministering spirits. They are, by nature, they are servants. And they are at the call and beckon of God himself. He calls them. He sends them. He does their servants, ministering servants. Jesus inherited a superior name to the angels in verse number 4. He inherited a superior name. Therefore, at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow. You see, angels, sometimes we call on angels. I have heard of people calling Angel Gabriel. I need you, Angel Gabriel. Come now! Break through the heavens! We have heard those names. We have heard people calling. Angel Michael, come! You who is the, the, the host, you're, you're the captain of, of the Lord's host. No name of angel is greater than the name of Jesus. All you have to do is just say, Jesus, my friend, and whoa, something happens. Jesus is greater than angels. Oh, he's anointed beyond and above his companions, meaning he's divinely enabled beyond his companions. None can compare with Jesus. He is the creator of all things. My friend, this list can go on and on and on to infinity. Angels will just stop where it, where it stops. There is no comparison. You cannot compare angels and Jesus. Jesus is supremely higher, greater than anything that we have seen or heard about angels. See, angels appeared to announce the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. Abraham saw the angels and they told him, by the way, hey, we will not hide from you. God is about to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. And indeed, it so happened. At, with their message, it so happened. 
We know of this angel who appeared and spoke to this prophet. He was a prophet. He was a priest, actually. And he was in the house of God, ministering, called Zacharias. And Zacharias was ministering. His wife was Elizabeth. And she had not, she was barren. They were barren together. They hadn't had a child. And this angel appears and says, hi, hey, Zacharias, the Lord is going to bless you with a child. Hey, and Zacharias, instead of being happy, he doubted. And he says, hey, how will I know? The angel was not very happy. He introduced himself, by the way. My name is Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. How dare you? How dare you think or disbelieve me? Because you have disbelieved, you will not talk until that baby is born. That is the power of angels. No wonder people want to worship them. No wonder, hey, send me Gabriel. Pana, Jesus. Jesus. Angels. They are powerful. But let's, let's go to, to, to chapter number two uh, very quickly. Our time is, oh, Jehovah. <laughs> For this reason, <laughs> yeah, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard so that we do not drift away from it. Verse number two. For if the word spoken through angels proved unalterable and every transgression and disobedience received a just penalty, how? Will we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? After it was at the first spoken through the Lord, it was confirmed to us by those who heard, God also testifying with them, both signs by signs and wonders, and by various miracles and by gifts of the Holy Spirit, according to his own will. I would just want to finalize now and say this. Don't drift away. The writer of Hebrews is writing to us and is warning us, don't drift away. There is no greater word. There is no greater than this that is Jesus, who is greater than prophets and is greater than angels. There is no greater. Therefore, don't neglect so great a salvation that is spoken through him. And this salvation is salvation that is available for you and for me now. Salvation from sickness and illness. Do you know that you can be saved from getting sick? Even if you had a disease that was, was, was in your body, it, you can be saved from its effects. You can be saved from depression of the mind of the heart. You can be saved from soulish issues. You can be saved in this life now. You can be saved in many areas and many different dimensions. But this salvation is found in one that is called Jesus the Christ. He has spoken and therefore don't neglect this great salvation. This great salvation is found here in the annals of this book. And you can neglect it. You and I can neglect it. You can neglect reading it. And as you neglect reading it, you end up fading away, drifting away. Don't drift away. This is what the writer of Hebrews is saying. Jesus is better than anything that is out there. Jesus is better. Stay there. He has been tried and he has been tested and he has been found to be faithful. He has been found to be faithful. Pay closer attention. To what the son is saying. Pay close attention to what the son is saying. He is better than angels. Father, we thank you for your word that has come alive to us. And King of Glory, we pray that even now as we look at this that you have done, the body of work that you have done, you have spoken to us and you have told us, don't drift away. Don't drift away. There may be somebody here who has been drifting. You have been drifting farther and farther away. 
Yes, you are saved. You are born again. But you are found that your life has just been drifting further and further away from God. And you want to put a stop to it. You want to say, today, no, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not drifting anymore. Are you here? You are saved. But your life has been drifting. And you want to say, today, I want to put a stop to it. If you're here, just lift up your hand. Every head, just bow. Just lift up your hand and we'll pray with you. If you're here, you say, no, today, the drifting stops. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for that. Anybody else? Today, the drifting. Thank you. Thank you. See that The drifting is stopping today. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you that you are changing hearts, that you are changing lives, that right now, a decision is being made that we are no longer drifting, that we are staying with you because you are better than anything else in the world. Thank you for your word. These beloved, oh God, may you touch their hearts. May you reinvigorate their spirits now. May you cause them to know that you are alive and living in them. And we declare your favor over their lives in Jesus' mighty name. Father, glory, Lord and Lord, belongs to you now and indeed.